this is the the hard thing about business, right? You go, no one can stop you, but nobody can force you. Like you have to make that decision. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean you have to be the best or the smartest or the most ambitious. It just means you have to just go, why not me? Um, nobody can nobody can force you, but nobody can stop you. And so you can think of those two things and just go, that means I have to just do it and I have to believe in myself and I have to back myself. And why not you? This is the perfect episode to end the year on and get you ready for 2023. I chat with Denise Steffiel-Thomas and she is going to share all of the goods I love these five points that she made, and I think you are going to love them as well. This is somebody who I have known of for years. I read her book, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, years ago. I feel like it's one of those that I need to reread or like take notes while I'm reading. I'm doing that now with nonfiction books. I'm taking notes while I'm reading them. So I feel like this is one that I need to do and then come back next year and share my takeaways in this book with you because we chat about it a little bit in this episode, as you will hear. But if you want to make more money and you want to enjoy your business a little bit more and make things just easier, you are going to love this episode with Denise Duffield-Thomas. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Denise Duffield-Thomas, welcome to Become a Media Maven. My gosh, thank you so much for having me. I had to reschedule last time because I had a photo shoot, impromptu photo shoot. So I'm so glad we could talk before the end of the year. I love an impromptu photo shoot. What was that about? It was, okay, actually it was a bit crazy. So um, I've been following this company for a long time on social media, right? And this is the power of being consistent with your social media, like as a little aside. And they're a boudoir-y kind of fun photography kind of thing called Sherbet Birdie. Yeah, very sexy. And they would just share so much cool stuff. And then a couple of my friends had shoots with them and they were doing this Marie Antoinette shoot and they were sharing, again, power of PR, right, and just sharing stuff. They were sharing how they put the set together and the costumes and all that kind of stuff. And my friend had a shoot and she said, Denise, they told me they've got one spot left for the rest of the year. So if you've been thinking about it, you got to do it. And I went, oh, my God, and I jumped on and it was the one spot, but it was when we were um doing our stuff and I just went I'm gonna do it without thinking about it and um, so I dressed up as Marie Antoinette for a day and it was so interesting what it actually brought up for me as like it was such a like layered experience so anyway that's that's why I had to miss out the good reason to reschedule and then where can we see these pictures well I actually just recorded a podcast podcast episode for my own podcast um, at denisedt.com slash podcast. And I showed all of the pictures of dressing up like Marie Antoinette, but also talking about the multiple layers that came up for me around that of going, like, I love working with creative people, right? And so I was like, oh, I, I love the attention to detail they put into the sets and the costumes and all that kind of stuff. But I was like, oh, it's a bit on the nose dressing up like Marie Antoinette in a period <laughs> of great income inequality, you know, and everyone's like, just enjoy it. 
you know, and I was like really overthinking it. And I'm not used to being, even though I am the face of my business, I'm not used to being like the center of attention in that way. But actually, and you'll appreciate this too from working in the media yourself, you know, when I do my photo shoots, it's like on the beach with my surfboard, you know, with my beachy curls. It's actually just as curated as dressing up like Marie Antoinette. You know, like I still get a spray tan. I'm an hour and a half in makeup to look beachy and natural. <laughs> you know, I, I still get my nails done. That surfboard's been strategically placed for the photo shoot. But it was just a really interesting thing. And I'm sure, you know, people listening get this. Is so much about visibility is like in our own mind sometimes too, right? Because we go, oh, I don't want people to think I'm showing off. I don't want people to think I'm too big for my boots. Oh, I can't talk about myself, you know, in those ways or they'll think, you know, I'm up myself or whatever. And that really came up for me in that shoot in a way that I hadn't experienced in a long time. So it was a good reminder about how much visibility is such a mental game. It's true. I didn't even realize that a lot of people made excuses for themselves. Like I have this boot camp, and a lot of people in the boot camp, when they get introduced to my mentoring program, they're like, oh, I'm not ready. And they make so many excuses on why they're not ready. And I'm like, but wait, like, do you want to build your email list? They're like, well, yeah. If somebody came to you today and wanted to be a client or wanted to work with you, like, are you prepared for that? And they would say, yeah. I'm like, then why aren't you ready? Like the excuses people make blow my mind. And I think it's because of like the perception of being in the media or like being a guest on a podcast, being interviewed for an online article. The perception is that they're there because they're such a big deal. And I always tell them, no, no, yeah. no, no. You become a big deal by being there. Like that is how this works. So it's crazy. And I feel like there are a lot of similarities with this not good enough, not ready enough when it comes to money. Like I'm sure there's so many things when it yes. comes to money and I have like, let's go back, get rich, lucky bitch. I've had this book in my house for years. You've been with me on the bookshelf, Denise. Um, and it's funny. Okay. First of all, I just love that we put bitch in the title because I have a bad mouth. So if you're putting bitch or a cuss word in the title of your book, I'm here for it. And two, when I started my business back in the day, eight years ago, after leaving TV news, I did not realize that I had a bad money mindset. I did not even know. Mm. And I remember speaking with somebody and I remember saying something like, well, I just feel bad when I sell somebody and I take their money. And she yes. said, oh, well, you have a bad money mindset. And I was thinking, no, I don't. And then like fast forward a few years, I have a business coach. I learn about sales. I learn more about business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my money mindset. Like everybody has a money mindset. Mine was like, fucked. And I had no idea. And that's yeah. probably why I got get rich, lucky bitch. But I'm super excited to talk to you today because we are sharing this at the end of 2022. And I want to get people right in their mind about money before we get into your tips. First, like why are people so afraid or uncomfortable to talk about money? Well, look, I don't think we should feel bad about that because I mean, my mom never made her own money my grandmother never made her own money. So it's only really still a fairly new thing for women to be powerful around money. And um, I would also say, you know, cause I know you have a couple of men who listen as well. Hi guys. <laughs> is that none of us have been taught to really talk openly and honestly about money. A lot of people um, are taught it's impolite 
to talk about money. It's impolite to ask for money. And so, of course, then when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes we take that literally and we go, well, then I can't put a price on what, what I do. I can't send invoices. I can't chase up invoices. Like that's so impolite. And it's just seen as this really taboo thing. Um, from a gendered point of view as well, you know, there are so many studies about how um, girls are just not spoken to about money as much as boys are. There's pay disparity in pocket money, in allowance from a very young age. And so it's just still new. It's still new to us. And we can we can change that because we can give ourselves our own education and permission to make money. We can normalize it by talking about it within our business groups, with our business friends, and we can change it for the next generation by talking to our, you know, our kids equally that money isn't a bad thing, that it's just a neutral tool and we can use it to do good things in the world. Um, so I just think we've got to give ourselves permission around that. Also, the thing is, I mean, I'm 43. I grew up without the internet. You know, I didn't really start using the internet until really like my late teens, early 20s, and even still that was pretty clunky. And so for me, the idea of having a business was a very linear relationship with, with effort and reward, meaning you made something, you sold something, you made something, you sold something. And now we live in a world where that relationship isn't a linear thing and you can create something from your imagination and people can buy it years from now in the form of a book or a course or whatever, but it breaks our brains a little bit. If you grew up in that kind of analog way, it breaks your brain to think, hang on, I can earn money without like that effort necessarily, or I can profit from that effort for a long time. Things that were only ever available to very, very wealthy people, you know, in the eighties and before that. So we've got to be compassionate with ourselves that the math ain't mathin, and we don't know why. And, and it just takes a little while for us to get our brains around the fact that it can be easier and it can, you can make money from your imagination. And then we haven't even gone into like industry specific things, right? If you're a writer, for example, you might've grown up hearing ideas are a dime a dozen and you're like, well, words have no value. You know, only like physical things have value. Or you might have, um, you might be in an industry that helps people with their health or with problems. And you've been in that industry hearing, well, I hope you're in this for the right reasons and help people or make money, but not both. And there's so many layers to that that we have to uncover. That makes sense. There's a lot. We don't have time to discuss all of the things because we could go on for days and days and days. Um, Get Rich sure. Lucky Bitch is a good place to start. And then you also have Chill and Prosper, a new book. What is Chill and yeah. Prosper about? I really wanted to have a book about business because I think so much of that, once you kind of get your money mindset straight, is looking at your business and how you can give yourself permission to make things easier in business. Um, so the book actually came out a couple of years ago, ago called Chillpreneur. And we did a, um, an update recently and we changed it to Chill and Prosper, which is, there's a whole story around that. But um, it's really about how you can make things easier in your business so you can make more money and change the world. What did you learn from Get Rich Lucky Bitch to chill and prosper? Like, what did you do writing and marketing the second book? that you learned from your process the first time? 
Well, what I learned from the first book, because I actually self-published Get Rich Lucky Bitch in 2012, and um, I had a Hay House author, who's my um, publisher, they were on my newsletter list for a couple of years. And they contacted me a couple of years in and asked me to put together a proposal for a book. And it didn't work out at the time. And funnily enough, because they didn't like the word bitch. They were like, the reason I love it, of course. Totally. They were like, oh, we're just not sure it's for us. But actually, I kind of knew that if I if I had a bigger platform, it wouldn't have been a problem for them. So I went back and went, I'm going to build my platform. So next time I pitch them, they cannot say no. And that's exactly what I did. I went back um, and just went, I'm going to make sure all of my numbers are really great. And I went back to them a couple of years later and I said, I've got an idea for a new book called Chillpreneur. And I will give you my self-published books as part of that deal for them to republish. So I think what I learned from even that experience is one, you have to back yourself. 100%. You have to back yourself. If no one's giving you a book deal, self-publish, like, you know, if no one's putting you on stages, create your own events. If no one's booking you to be on their podcast, create your own podcast, right? But also the power of consistency in that marketing is if I hadn't sent that newsletter out every single week, you know, I don't know how long that Hay House editor was on my newsletter list, but imagine every week going, oh, yeah, nice, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, she's she's growing. That's interesting. Let's keep an eye on her. But imagine if I'd not sent out that newsletter. And I hear this so many times from entrepreneurs. They go, but my list isn't bigger. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be consistent when I get be- better numbers or I don't feel like sending out my newsletter or, well, I don't need to be consistent in my business. You know, my, my audience will show up when I need them to. And I just see that power of that consistency showing up, um, up and up and up again. And then, of course, when I re-released um, the book too, it's, well, you build up so much, you know, equity and goodwill with your audience by consistently showing up and giving to them that people, you know, still bought the second edition of my book. Um, and so th- I think that's what I learned of just that that power of consistency and showing up and backing yourself is so important because even when you have a publisher, you still have to sell, you have to do most of your own marketing, right? You know, everyone kind of knows that. Um, and that there's no silver bullet. It's just showing up. I love that. Let's get into those five ways to make business easier while making more money. Because if there's anybody to talk to about this, it is you 100%. And who doesn't want to make more money while making business easier? Like for me, I used to set monetary goals every year. And Mm. now I am like, I just want to enjoy my days. Like, and I know this is maybe it's easier to say, like after your business, you know, you've had a few years, you're more established, but like, I don't care about being a multimillionaire. I just care about enjoying my days. So let's do this. Let's make enough money so we can live the lifestyle we want to live, but like enjoy our days because they're easy. So five ways, what is the first thing we need to do or we need to keep in mind here? Well, I love the what you just said then about enjoying your days because I, I would guess that your money archetype is um, a romantic, right? Wanting to enjoy life and live life in the moment and make things easier. So actually, my first tip is to work to your strengths, and this is so key. I love personality tests. I learned so much from every single personality test 
And, um, and I love sacred money archetypes, which I'm certified in, because the way to make things easier is not by following someone else's blueprint to make things easier, because we all have completely different strengths. And so I want everyone in the next year to find some way to double down on one of your strengths, not your weaknesses, but your strengths. And, um, and it might mean making a little shift in something. So you might realize that you love talking, but you hate writing. And, you know, I get this from people all the time. They go, but I don't want to write a blog every week. And I go, could you talk? Like, can you do like still the thing is to be consistent. How you do that is completely up to you, whatever feels easier for you. And, um, if you want to enjoy your week more, can you batch things on a particular day? What can you do to make your life a little bit easier by working to your strengths? Um, and that sometimes just requires a little bit of maybe investigation around one of the strengths modalities or just giving yourself permission to realize it's not your strength anymore. So it could be letting go of a service or adding something new into your business that you think is Am I, is it allowed to be easy? You know how sometimes people are like, but will anyone pay for that if it's really easy for me? And it's like, yes, that's the whole point of building a business to your strength, finding that path of least resistance for you, not for anyone else. I love that because in last week's episode, we talked to somebody who is a master delegator and she explained why you need to delegate, delegate the things that you hate or the things that you're not good at. So this is, Perfect. Okay. So we are going to work to our strengths, double down on that. What's next? Yep. So number two, um, and these aren't in any particular order, but number two is I want every single person, if you don't have it yet, to have at least one passive income product, at least one thing, because this is where you start to buy back some time. And often people overthink it. So would you say for your audience, people are already there or they're they're waiting for the right thing for their passive income? I think a lot of people in my audience listening, they probably already have a passive income product, but it's not performing like they want it to perform or they have a yes. thought for one, but maybe they haven't pulled the trigger on it because they're afraid they don't have anybody to sell it to. Yes. Great. Okay. So I'll speak to both of those. So I remember my first passive income thing ever was a $50 um, e-course, like a video course. And um, actually, no, that's not true. The first one was an ebook. But the thing that was really interesting about that is, again, remember I spoke about that relationship between effort and reward. When people bought that $10 ebook from me, I felt like I had to call them up and read it to them over the phone because I was like, but I didn't earn that $10. <laughs> I was like, I didn't earn it. So there's something there sometimes about looking at another layer deeper around your resistance to passive income. And sometimes it's because we think, oh, it doesn't count or, or everybody knows this or it's not the, it's not perfect. And I want you to think really small. It could be a template. It could be, you know, an ebook. It just, all it has to do is be a solution for somebody. Because when you have that little bit, like the first time you do that, right, it's proof. You go, oh my gosh, I didn't have to work for that. And it's okay for me to be rewarded for the solution that I offer to people. Um, and if, you know, there's people listening who are you've got it there and it's just like 80% and you just need to 
just publish it. That's what you have to do in the next year. For those of you who have one, but you never tell anybody about it, your action might be to put in your newsletter every week. By the way, if you need a solution, here's the link. Maybe put it a bit more prominently on your website, something like that. And, you know, even that's a big goal for me too, you know, like having having more passive income um, and getting back to basics, solve a problem for somebody, solve a problem, don't overthink it, solve a problem for people. And that will give you confidence that you don't have to take on every client. It will give you confidence to, um, you know, buy back some time and some enjoyment, which always leads to creativity. I don't know if, about you, Christina, but for me, it always leads to more creativity when I have a little bit more spaciousness. And it will just give you so much confidence that you can help people and make money and it doesn't have to be hard. I love that. And if people are purchasing your passive income product, like, and it's helping them, trust me, they don't give a shit that it's passive income for you. Like they're not even thinking about, oh, this is passive income for them. They're thinking about themselves and if they're benefiting from what they're purchasing. I just wrapped up a couple of live launches for my three-day bootcamp pitch publicity profit. And after doing it a couple of times, like it was great. I had this like VIP where I helped people one-on-one live. It was fabulous. But I said, this takes a lot of energy out of me because it was three days. It was like so many hours a day. I said, I'm going to turn this evergreen. And I recorded everything. And I made sure that anything that was live, we tweaked it so it would fit in a recording. And that is a new passive income product at pitchpublicityprofit.com. It's just $37 and people get massive value out of it. They tell me every time they get in there. So that is solve the problem. excellent advice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, we all know that we should do in business, but it always falls off people's radars. And I just think, no, 23 is the year for people to get their shit together around creating at least one, if not more passive income products. Um, No more excuses, no more waiting for Mercury to be out of retrograde until you feel ready. Because of course, everything exists in the world. Of course, people can find out anything for free, but not everyone wants to do that. People want it curated. They want solutions and they want it simple. It doesn't need to be massive. They want, you know, so many times I've Like, for example, when I'm filming things, right, I go, I wonder if someone's just created like a checklist of B-roll that I would need to create for a video. No one's created it. I would, I would pay for that because I'm there, you know, at midnight going, oh, fuck, I'm filming tomorrow. (laughs) Totally get it. Solve this problem. Yeah. So you think solve, solve problems for people and it's win, win. Three more. Let's move on to. Yes. Is outsource one more thing next year. But the thing that stresses you out the most, and this is where playing to your strengths becomes super important because if you follow people in business and they'll say, you have to do this, you have to do that, right? What I want everybody to think about is what's the thing that stresses you out the most? And it could be laundry. Your laundry could stress you out more than anything in your business. And I find that, especially for a lot of women, is that, I mean, I'm, you know, my business makes multi-millions, but I could actually do most things in the business myself, but laundry sucks so much creativity and energy out of me. So I would rather give up everyone in my business team-wise rather than like to do my own laundry. I would never. So outsource one thing that stresses you out. And so for some people, it could be 
bookkeeping, it could be customer service, it could be doing your newsletters, it could be something like that. Um, but but don't discount outsourcing things at home that could really, really help you grow your business. And it could be something so simple. You know, like you and I are both mothers, like just sometimes a couple of extra hours of childcare. Like we can create miracles in like a three-hour block if we need to, right? And so sometimes it's like giving yourself just that spaciousness, you know? So some people listening, it's not you don't need to hire a fancy business coach necessarily next year, but you might need like three hours of childcare or someone to help you like, you know, do some meals for the kids or clean your house or whatever. So let's just, and I would love to hear from you, Christina, what's one thing that you would love to outsource next year? It could be so small or it could be something really big. I love that. Something that I have been outsourcing for years is the house cleaning because I don't like doing it. It's just not how I want to spend my time. And it's funny when I used to have a bad money mindset, I would say, if you can do it yourself, why would you pay somebody to do it? Well, maybe you don't want to freaking do it. Like, I don't want to clean my house. I would rather spend that time doing something else. So for me, it's cleaning my house. As far as my business goes, the thing that comes to mind that I do that I would like somebody else to do are the sales calls. Like when people send me an email, they want to talk about working with my agency or joining a program. I have done my very best to put all of the information in one place to answer every single question, but still people insist on talking to you. And I just don't want to do it anymore. And that's a hard thing for me to outsource just because it is my business. And I come from like the news industry. So when I talk to people, I speak with that education. So I think for me, it's just taken a while to find the right person, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying super hard to find the right person either. Yes. And I think sometimes there's a mindset around that of going, um, it has to be me. You know, it has to be me. Nobody can do what I can do. For me, the game changer a couple of years ago was hiring a community manager for my Facebook group, my client group. And I remember thinking, but what if they like her more than they like me? You know, I was like, oh, no, I have to be there for everybody instead of realizing, you know, that's not necessarily sustainable for us to to do everything ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we have a lot of excuses around it, whether it's cheaper to do it myself, no one else can do it like me, or I don't have time or I don't have the income. What I also think is it's also finding that really good interaction between something that stresses you out, but also something that could really grow your business. Um, and don't, but don't discount those things at home. I think that's a really big thing is that so many people, especially moms don't grow their business because they literally, they just do not have energetic bandwidth to do it. And if you can buy back a little bit of time, um, then do that. And it could be a household chore. That's really small. Even like, um, our dogs go to doggy daycare twice a week. And the bandwidth I have on those days where there's nobody to take care of is amazing. Like no one's going to poo themselves. No one needs a snack. Like no one needs water. You know, it's just, it's like, oh, just do whatever I want on those days. So don't discount um, the power of a teeny tiny outsource. And it's not all or nothing. My first hire was um, five hours of customer service a week. And you know how many people say, oh no, I, I, 
like I can't hire customer customer service because they think it's like this 40 hour commitment. And sometimes it's just a couple of hours just to take things away from you. And it just creates so much space for you to work in your zone of genius, right? Like Gay Hendrick says, to work to your strengths. Um, so yeah, everyone has to just pick one little thing, one little thing. I love that. Okay. So that's your homework. Pick one thing. Yeah. I remember when I first yeah. outsourced, I brought on my first team member. It was like, it took me so long and it was the biggest freaking weight off of my shoulders. I was like, then I was addicted and I was like, oh, I'm going to build a team because this is amazing to have other people do work for you. One thing I'll say on that too, is it doesn't always have to be a person necessarily. You can outsource to software. You know how sometimes people resist buying like a $10 a month software that could actually save them so much time and energy too. So the intention is still the same. You can outsource you can, you know, delegate, but you can also automate. That's so true. And there's a software that does everything today. Like I just got a subscription to, um, to one that will put captions on my videos that I post on social media. Yeah. I could do that myself and my video editor, but this one like can tell what I'm saying and puts the captions there and it's so much easier. So yeah, I'll pay $15 a month for that. Sure. Oh, amazing. It's funny with those, sometimes they don't understand my accent. <laughs> and so I had a whole transcript where it was saying muddy mindset, muddy. And it was muddy. muddy. <laughs> I'm Listen to my accent. Um, but that's uh, that's a really big thing. I actually just bought a robo vacuum for. Yes. Um, I'm like, this is amazing. You amazing. know, like you can get a robot, you can get software, you can do all of those things. Too. Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll have a robot for freaking everything, not just a vacuum. And I am here <laughs> right. for it, honey. I am here for it. Okay. Me what too. is another thing that we could do? Okay. Number four is um, join a mastermind or some way to surround yourself with people who are succeeding. And this is crucial, crucial, Amen. crucial. Absolutely. Right. And you and I both know we have not gotten where we are by being alone in that journey. It's impossible. One, because if you don't see it, you cannot believe it for yourself, especially if you have um, friends, family, a partner who aren't entrepreneurs, because they'll say to you, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? And you go, holy shit. And it's because they're not surrounded by examples of that. And I remember those early days sort of being in those groups and saying to my husband, especially, and go, look at this. Look at, look at her. She just made $30,000 in a launch. And I was like, she's just a normal person. I know her. Like, and it just gave me that belief and it gave me a North star to like hang something on. Right. I was like, that's where I'm going because I've seen it in all of these different spaces. And I would say that's really one of the number one secrets to my success, making millions and millions of dollars because I've been in the game with other people. And I I'm sure you agree with that as well. A hundred percent. And I remember I hired my first business coach and I learned a lot from her, but then I looked around at everybody else in the coaching program and they were all like a little below me. And I was like, I'm not in the right room because I'm only learning from the coach and maybe a couple of other people in here. I need to be in the room 
where I'm the dumbest person because then I'm going to learn a lot. So then I made sure that the next mastermind I was in or coaching program, I was surrounded by just like crazy people. And I remember I was in, in 2018, I was in a mastermind with Pat Flynn and the people in that group were insane. So you had Pat, you had, um, Cassidy Tuttle, who's been on the podcast. She makes a ridiculous amount of money blogging about succulents and telling people how to keep succulents alive. I was like, that fascinates me. Can't keep a plant alive for the life of me, but just the fact that you make a living doing this, like is fascinating. And then another person who's been on the, the podcast, Travel Fashion Girl, my friend Alex, she her niche is women traveling the world in a carry-on. Like how you make all of the money you make like that, it just, it's, it blows my mind. I am so impressed. And I'm just like dying to learn more about people who make money doing the most random things. Right now I'm on this Justin Welsh kick. He's, I don't know if you follow him on LinkedIn or Twitter, but his big thing is like, I am a solopreneur. I have no team. I have no clients and I make millions. I'm like, okay, I want to do that because that sounds like no headaches, like no people. You don't deal with people. Like, I want to know that. Like, how do you do all of that? So it's just so interesting to me. Like I'm always, I'm like a nerd. I have a shirt on right now that says, it says book nerd. I just love to learn. And I love to learn from people who have been there, done that. So like out of all of the things you've said so far, like this one's my favorite, just because the value is like exponential. And it's energetic, right? It's so different from reading a book because it's proof. It's proof and it's mind expanding. And I'm actually hosting um, a mastermind at my farm in a couple of days. And it's a a peer-driven mastermind. And what fascinates me when we come together are those stories where someone goes, did you guys know this person who's like making millions doing succulents? And we all go, no. And they go, what? She's so famous. And you go, no. And every single person has stories like that. And it makes you realize not only are there so many ideas in the world, but there's actually so many clients because we all felt like, you know, when sometimes you go, oh, but this is my market. Everyone's seeing what I do. And then realizing, you know, like we're all kind of, you start to become the big deal in your community too. And people say to me, everyone knows you, Denise. And I go, no, they freaking don't. Because I go to these masterminds and there's all these people with these huge empires that I've never heard of ever. And it just expands my mind that so much more is possible. And examples like that with the succulent lady, last time I was with my mastermind, they were like, I think this lady, she makes $2 million a month teaching people how to um, renovate chairs. (laughs) And they're all like, what? No, you know, or, oh, this lady makes, you know, a million dollars and she's got a $37 ebook on how to be an artist or something. And we just all go, what? So I love how you said you like to be the dumbest in the room. Cause I've got a little bit of ego. I like to be in the middle. <laughs> I, like to, <laughs> I like to be like, wow. And then I like to be like, yeah, I'm doing great. So I like to <laughs> kind of put myself in the middle, but I've done a similar thing where I've outgrown masterminds and then it hasn't stretched me. So I know people listening, I'm sure it's not new to you to be in groups and to be in masterminds and to learn and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes you've got to go, look, this is my big year. 
or I want to master this particular skill. So I have to be around different people who are going to stretch and pull me in different ways and normalize a new skill set. And for me this year, that was, I wanted to learn how to write in a different way. So I had to join a writer's group, you know, and every month we get together, we have to read each other's work. Like we have to read our own work out aloud and then get critiqued on it. Like so out of my comfort zone, but then it's putting me into a different space where writing is more normalized, right? And it's, it changes your brain. So I think one of the great things too is to look at what skill set do I need to learn this year or what income level do I need to stretch myself to and then deliberately go out and, and search for that rather than just get kind of sucked in by, oh, that person's shiny or whatever. You've also got to look at who else are they teaching because it's not enough just to have the mentor be the person, as you said, right? You've got to look at who else is in there and, and what will I be stretched to believe for myself? Yes. Like I said, my favorite one so far, but you have one more to go. What is the fifth and final thing that we should do to make more money and yes. just have an easy business while we do it? Okay. Is to look at your money blocks. And this is a big thing, but it's also an ongoing conversation is to really look at what is holding you back. And sometimes it's um, you really nut it down to one belief. Like I can't help people and make money or I can't be down to earth and make money, or people won't like me if I make money. It usually comes down to like one particular thing. But I think um, just a commitment that you are going to be in this ongoing conversation, look at your money mindset. And, you know, I've, I teach this stuff. I've been teaching it full time for over 10 years. And I'm constantly looking at new layers of my money mindset. Like I said, with the photo shoot that I did recently, I was like, oh my God, there's so much to learn about my money mindset. And so it's almost just a decision that it's an ongoing thing that you always have to look at. Where where am I holding myself back? What old stories are coming up for me? And, um, And what do I need to believe about money for this next year? I feel like that's a hard question for people to answer. Like they don't know, like I didn't know I had a bad money mindset. Like people don't know they have money blocks. I assume- one of your revenue streams is teaching people how to figure this out and how to fix it. Absolutely. I mean, my book, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, is a really great place to start. Um, a lot of people tell me they read that and they go, oh my God, I didn't even realize I had these money blogs. It's a very easy kind of read too. It's not going to like, you know, send your life into a tailspin, but that's a really good place to start. And then I have my money boot camp as well. And that's where we explore those things together. And even, um, you know, we have monthly calls I still haven't run out of topics yet for us to explore around our money mindset because there's always new places to go, but it usually starts with examining like, what's my relationship with hard work and money is probably a really good place for a lot of entrepreneurs to start with. What did my parents talk? Um, What did my parents say about hard work? What did my culture say about hard work? And we have to start decoupling that relationship because we know it's like, if, if the wealthiest people in the world also worked the hardest, we know that all of those people would be nurses and teachers, right? And they're not. So it's not about hard work. It's about um, giving yourself permission to profit from your skills and talents 
to help people and make money and that's okay. But yeah, my book is a really great place for people to start on that. Love that. And I will link to the book in the show notes. I will also link to your podcast and your website. So if people want to learn more, we'll make it super easy for them to do so. Anything else you want to add that I should have asked before we say bye? Well, let me just recap those five, just in case anyone missed them. Yep. Number one, work to your strengths. Be unapologetic apologetic about that. It's okay to have business work to you. That's fine. Number two is to get really serious about passive income this year, even if it's just the tiniest one thing. When I say serious, it doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean this big, perfect monster. It's like one thing to start. Number three was outsource one more thing that stresses you out in particular. Number four was to join a mastermind group or to stretch yourself to that next level. And number five was to make a commitment to work on your money blocks. Um, And then I think the thing that really sums this all up is just saying, why not me? Like no one, this is the, the hard thing about business, right? You go, no one can stop you, but nobody can force you. Like you have to make that decision. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean you have to be the best or the smartest or the most ambitious. It just means you have to just go, why not me? Um, nobody can nobody can force you, but nobody can stop you. And so you can think of those two things and just go, that means I have to just do it and I have to believe in myself and I have to back myself. And why not you? Fabulous. Thank you so much, Denise Duffield-Thomas. I appreciate well, you being thank here. You. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I'm so easy to find everywhere. I'm at Denise DT um, all across socials, but I always love when people tag me and tell me an aha. It's like, as a Virgo who loves to be of service, it's like, you know, coins for me of going, oh my God, you did something that I told you to do. So anyone listening to these episodes, please tag me and tell me an aha. I would really appreciate that. We will link to all of your social media in the show notes, website, podcast, book, all of the things. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening. This is the last episode of the year. So if you have not already, tap that subscribe button. Leave me an honest rating and review so we can go into 2023 prepped to hear more goodness from yours truly, me. And something is going to be a little bit different about this podcast in the new year. Denise is my last planned guest for the podcast. Something I want to do in 2023 is more solo episodes, if not all solo episodes. And if you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, you have seen that the camera has been on. So you can see me, you can see the guests as we have this conversation. But I think I'm going to step up the video game when I do these solo episodes. So I'm going to have like a real life big girl YouTube channel. This is something I tried a few years ago. I think I was consistent for about two to three months, and then I quit. Well, I want to do it again. My friends Amy Landino and Jessica Stansberry have motivated me, inspired me to do my hair and makeup and record these videos slash podcast episodes. But you know me, I'm a bachelor, so I'll probably do like four in a day. So you can expect that. So if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, please make sure to do that. I will link to my YouTube channel in the show notes for this episode so you can subscribe. And then as always, you know, you can get everything at becomeamediamaven.com. And then there's lots of uh, goodness from Denise in the show notes for 
this episode as well. So make sure you check that out. Thank you again for listening. I know you could be spending your time doing anything anywhere else, but you're here with me and I appreciate it. So have a very happy new year and I will see you next year.